Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, Lord of mercy, all night Sunday central. Follow me now. Listen, say hi, take your shit, rolling hip hop. Say general, just your rolling hip hop. Redefinition, say your rolling hip hop. Say black soul, come to rock it. From the first to the last of it, delivery is passionate, the whole and not the half. All right, here we go, my folks. Let's jump into it. Remy, what you got? Remy. Say it again. Say it again. Okay, okay, all right, all right, let's all just take a breath. Do it. I actually want you to follow the path in and follow the path out. We're going to take a breath. It's going to have a positive impact on you. And then we're going to do another at the end of the episode, a little sandwich meditation. Take that breath. Inhale. Exhale, stay with the breath. No other thoughts, just that breath might be the only breath you focus on all day. How will that have a positive effect on you? I don't really know, but it will. It just will. All right, welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's nice to see you all. It's nice to feel your energy. Let me feel that energy. Okay. (laughs) That tickles a bit. Okay. You know, as I'm starting to get rid of this common cold, the cough is starting to subside. Luckily, I had a chance to uh, have dental implant surgery immediately. As the cold is subsiding, I head to the drill. An hour of that. Got a new fake tooth in the back. Number 18, the molar cracked, and now they laid the foundation of bone grafting, and then I'll get a crown in a few months, and whoa, 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 what's that? You don't care? Okay, but stay with me. Dr. Joseph Yang deserves some kudos. This guy's a machine. I'm pretty sure he's a robot, but he comes in there, And he says, hey, Josh, and he gets right to it. There was no Q&A, just, hey, Josh, and he gets right to it. Give me the 14. Yeah, lock it down to a five. He's saying all these things to the assistant for one full hour. I almost fall asleep. That's how tired we are in the house. The baby won't sleep. We almost fall asleep at times where you probably wouldn't think humans could fall asleep. Oh, yeah, but we could fall asleep even during dental implant surgery. And at the end of it, he just says, all right, bye, Josh. Like he dropped off the mail. Like I ran into him at the mall. He just stopped the surgery and said, all right, bye, Josh, and left the room. I didn't have any questions, but even if I did, I'd have to go chase him down with a bloody mouth and a puffy face. And I said no to the opiates. Okay, Michael Keaton, I said no to the opiates. I'll just take Advil, and it's been fine. Ice your face. Don't do a podcast, they say. Don't stress yourself out by doing a podcast. And I said, okay, but here I am. I can't stay away from this drug. Okay, I could stay away from Oxycontin. I can't stay away from this drug. I got to feed the beast inside. Episode 165. Let's get deep today. All right? It's kind of one of those gray days outside. The holidays are upon us. 
You're probably grinding right now. Are you busy? Is everyone busy? Even if you're not busy, you have to say, I'm pretty busy lately. (laughs) I'm pretty busy lately. But you also have the intention of not being so busy soon. Isn't that what you tell your friends? Yeah, we're kind of busy right now, but hopefully things settle down. They won't. Everybody's so damn busy. You get an evite to something, you're like, no, 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 we're too busy. We're busy, we're busy. We get groceries, we pick up diapers. We plan for events, and then we clean up events. And then we plan for work, and then we reflect upon work. We're so busy. We got to go to the gas station and get an oil change. We got to open up that big stack of envelopes that the mailman drops off, and we never open. And then pay a lot of things. We're busy. I guess we're supposed to be busy. That's our existence. But if you could be busy and not stressed about it, then you're just productive. Hey, yeah, we're pretty productive lately. Busy minds, but we just get our shit done. So I'm leaving the dental office. Bye-bye, Joseph Yang, my savior. Thanks for the fake tooth. Now I can chew on the left side of my mouth for the first time in a year, but I'm leaving. And this will be very specific, but I'm going east on South Elysio, and then I make a right, and right between Marin General Hospital and Marin Catholic High School, there is a hitchhiker. And this sight seems so foreign to my eyes. In 2021, a hitchhiker? Just a hitchhiker? In Greenbrae? Where are you going? And I was at a stop sign, so I got to lock eyes with this hitchhiker. Just for a split second, I got to prejudge. Now, the word prejudice, that's not a good word. That means you're judging people on their race or ethnic qualities or traits. No, 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 not that. But don't you prejudge a little bit when you see a hitchhiker? You go, huh, I have to prejudge the situation. What if I did pick you up? Of course I wouldn't. I never have. Sounds like a great way to begin a horror movie. But it was just so clear that that would be a bad decision. It was such an of course not moment of life. Oh, of course not. Your thumb is up. Your face is weathered. He didn't even look happy. You would think that if you're hitchhiking, just asking a total stranger to let you into their vehicle and bring you somewhere that you would have a friendly face. No, this guy looked upset. Actually, his face looked like a pug. He was wearing a hat. He was wearing saggy jeans, probably in his 50s bit of a beard. His face was the color of a whoopee cushion. He looked like he would growl. Like if you picked him up, you just go, eh, north, 101 north. You go, uh, okay, what are we doing? What's the benefit of picking this guy up? If he stabs me, you know, half a mile into this trip, no one's surprised. Hey, did you hear Josh got stabbed? Yeah, but he picked up a hitchhiker right between Marin General and Marin Catholic. What? He picked up a hitchhiker? Of course he should get stabbed. You can't even connect it to the past anymore. See, the past almost glamorizes hitchhiking. It romanticizes this idea of someone on the side of the road trying to get to California, convertible full of hippies, pulls over. Hey, what's your name? I'm Moonbeam. Where you headed, Moonbeam? California. Get in! And everyone's wearing cool sunglasses on a sunny day. And it's just a two-lane highway. Which seems to drift on forever. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and some thyme. Hitchhiking. You're picturing the glory days. But in 2021, mouthful of gauze... Got a numb face. Actually, the numbness went beyond the mouth. 
Felt like my ear was numb, my eye was numb, just half a numb face looking at this pug on the side of the road with his thumb up. Uh, I'm gonna pass. What an intimate experience that would be to pick up a hitchhiker and just ask where you headed. The conversation would get so weird. Or what if there was no conversation? I don't even think we're allowed anymore. I don't. Even if it was a fine ride, if I took the guy 10 miles and came home and told my wife as I'm cooking, yeah, pretty good day today. Ended up picking up a hitchhiker. That's not okay, right? I don't know. I've never done it. It's not on my bucket list either, picking one up. I have attempted to hitchhike, though, for fun. As a joke, in seventh grade, with Ronnie Baroni, Mitch Arno, and Travis LeBoy, we were just going up Las Galinas, put our thumbs out, and we thought it was funny. But one of the parents called another parent, and one of the parents who saw it called another parent, and then they called the school, and the school called the principal, and the principal called the teacher. And there was a meeting. There was a meeting. Hey, you know, your kids are hitchhiking. It was a joke. It's another true story as I just call out these names specifically. Throw us all under the bus. All right, my wife and I were low on nasal spray and bourbon, so we had to go to Rite Aid. You know when you're low on nasal spray and bourbon? You have to go to Rite Aid. And my wife said, oh, I also need to pick up a soap. Oh, I also need to pick up a soap. When she goes soap shopping, it's a different experience than when I go soap shopping. I just get the same facial soap and bar soap that I've gotten probably for the last 30 years. Takes about 18 seconds for me to go soap shopping. It's like deodorant shopping. It's fun to smell them all, but you know I'm coming out of there with the Old Spice Pure Sport. That Old Spice Pure Sport. So good. But she's in the soap aisle, and she comes out of there with Alafia. Now, I'm going to spell this, because this turns out to be the greatest soap ever invented. A-L-A-F-F-I-A. It's called Authentic African Black Soap. The reason I am bringing this up is not just because it smells incredible. Tea tree oil, eucalyptus, smells like frankincense. Have you ever smelled frankincense? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Think about it for a moment. You're like, I've heard the word, but I'm not sure if I've smelled it. Go order frankincense essential oil right now on Amazon. It's the type of smell that'll make your day happy. It just will make your day better. Frankincense. So this soap, it's liquid and it smells like frankincense. I had to buy my own. She brought it home. I used it. Then I went back to Rite Aid and bought my own Alafia Authentic African Black Soap. It says all in one. It says unrefined shea butter. I have the bottle in my hand right now. It says a body wash, a facial cleanser, a shampoo, a hand soap, and for shaving. All in one. And then at the bottom it says beauty, equality, empowerment. For all skin types. I'm going to keep reading this bottle because it's important. As much as I was loving this African black soap, I was thinking, all right, is this just a company created by a few white people, a few hipsters in the Bay Area who are like, what will sell? What's a good marketing campaign? Should we call it African soap? And then make the bottle look all African? And I was thinking, oh no. Is this like trying to make Foster's look all Australian? Foster's, Australian for beer. Absolutely. Drink some Foster's. But you know, it's just being brewed by Anheuser-Busch. I was like, is this some American white campaign to capitalize on this idea that the African rich raw materials and resources are going into this incredible soap? So that reaction, as I'm lathering up, is called cynicism. But I'm going to keep reading the bottle. As I did in the shower. 
It says, Alafia is a social enterprise on a mission to create a more sustainable and equitable future. Our women-led cooperatives in West Africa produce heritage, nutrient-rich African ingredients rooted in tradition. When you choose our handcrafted skin and hair care, you join us in empowering women and families in Togo, West Africa. Together, we are cultivating beauty, equality, and empowerment through the following projects. Maternal care, over 5,000 births funded. School supplies, 37,000 recipients. Bicycles for education, 9,000 distributed. School construction, 14 schools built. Eyeglasses, over 27,000 distributed. Reforestation, 81,000 trees planted. This is all on the bottle. I'm not making any of this up. Alafia, please buy this soap. So apparently this is not a bunch of bullshit. It's a group of women in West Africa who are finally attempting a successful business. And when I say finally, I think a lot of us know. Native Africans have struggled making money off their own resources. Why? Well, you got to know some history about imperialism when all the European powers took over their land right after the Industrial Revolution, seeking their resources, new markets to sell products and make products. Most Africans just were forced to sit back and watch their land become exploited. So these European powers that divvied it up at the Berlin Conference, all right, you take the West part, Germany, you get the center. Belgium, you could have the Congo. Britain, you'll take the South. France, you take the North. Just splitting up the continent like it's a board game. Well, it's not like the natives were learning how to create their own successful companies as they were being force-fed Christianity and new languages and new cultures and watching a lot of their territory become urbanized. They were not learning capitalism in its most successful sense. So they're being robbed of their culture and they're being robbed of their resources. And then when they get their independence, as most of these African countries are now independent, you think it's such a success story now, right? No. Poverty still runs rampantly throughout Africa because a lot of these natives, indigenous people, have been depleted. And the governments that popped up, a lot of corruption. I mean, we could get really deep into a history lesson, but let me just back it up for a moment and talk about soap. Most of these companies going into Africa to take their resources, these are big European-American companies. Rarely do you see some women in Togo have put together a product that is now on the shelves at Rite Aid. And not only are they hopefully reaping the benefits financially, but they're putting a lot of the funds towards the environment, towards education, towards helping women. How fabulous is this? So hell yeah, let's support that. Let's go, Alafia. I want to hear more stories like that. And there are so few stories like that, sadly, that most of the time people have just accepted that that's a place where you get the resources for the big American or European companies. Like your iPhone right now. If you're holding your iPhone right now, take a look at it. Probably manufactured in China. The idea came from Silicon Valley. The idea, that's all Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs. Hey, thanks for this idea of an iPhone, but... Where are you actually getting those resources? A lot of them are still coming from the Congo. Those people mining for the cobalt or tungsten or whatever creates a conductor screen, a touch screen, all these things that are so beyond me in the world of chemistry. But who's actually getting their hands dirty? These people in the Congo or throughout other areas of Africa that aren't making much money. They're being exploited. 
to this day. All right, this is not like an ancient history story to this fucking day. So a lot of these countries that struggle, you trace their history back to, well, how did they gain their independence? And what was it like then? It's not like, well, then everyone was happy. Usually most stories of a country becoming independent and free don't just have these amazing Hollywood scripted endings. Then it's like, yeah, but there was a civil war and then these people didn't get along with these people and there was a corrupt leader and this election fizzled and these people didn't get rights and they treated women this way and certain groups were marginalized. And yeah, that's what you see today. So when you see certain countries today, you go, why are they having these ugly issues? Why is there such poverty? Why is there trafficking? Why are the cartels so powerful? Why are people fighting? You just got to know your, isn't that what Bob Marley taught us? You got to know your history. Then you'll have a deeper understanding of how the world functions. And even though it's discouraging, at least some awareness could possibly create a little less friction. If you're a little more aware of someone else's struggles, then maybe you're less likely to fight. I told you we're getting deep today. I told you we're getting deep today. That's A-L-A-F-F-I-A. If only one of you, one person listening, buys this soap, I'll be happy. Plus, it's all you need. Hand soap, shampoo, all in one facial soap and I actually use it for everything I don't need anything else authentic African black soap and make sure that it is the eucalyptus tea tree scent comes at you like frankincense I accidentally got the olive hemp seed at first yeah not my flavor not my flavor hold on I gotta sip some coffee and a garbage truck is coming by hold on you hang tight can someone get some WD motherfucking 40 on that garbage truck. There's no reason for it to be that squeaky and creaky. There's no reason. Just send the whole truck through a WD-40 bath. I don't need the squeaky and I don't need the creaky. I'm so easily distracted. It's very sad, actually. I need blinders like a racehorse. Give me that tunnel vision. All right, frozen. All right, I'm getting to my next point. I'm just getting to it. Nope, the garbage truck is still in my ear. Hold on. Going slowly down the street, aren't we, today? (laughs) All right, pal. All right, Frozen. I finally saw Frozen. This is a movie, an animated Disney movie from 2013. And I looked this up. It's 102 minutes. 102 minutes of a Disney animation, which takes place in Arendelle. And features Anna and Elsa and Kristoff and Olaf and Sven. This movie from 2013, and I know it had a sequel, I get that, has remained so relevant because little kids can just simply enjoy something longer than us adults. Think about the amount of things that came from this one single movie. If you have kids... Have you even looked into all of the products that you can get connected to Frozen? I don't just mean the dolls, the soundtrack, but what about the sheets? This is capitalism going full throttle towards that kid's market. Hey, you like Anna and Elsa? How about some sheets? How about a puzzle? How about spoons and forks and little plates and popsicles too? Yeah, you like Anna and Elsa? How about a lamp? How about a chair? How about a poster? How about an area rug with Anna's face on it? How about an Olaf toothbrush? All of these things exist and they're all being purchased at all times 
because of this movie called Frozen. You can't go wrong. It's like the most reliable gift. You get your kid anything with Anna and Elsa. Coloring book. A mug. A water bottle. Anna and Elsa shoes, of course. Anna and Elsa backpack, of course. Anna and Elsa towel, of course. Anna and Elsa bathing suit, of course. Oh, we need a gift. Holidays are coming. Holidays are coming. Anna and Elsa mouse pad. (coughs) Anna and Elsa placemats. Anna and Elsa asthma breathing device. Inhaler. That's what that's called. It's the craziest shit ever. One movie that lasted 102 minutes. Disney's made a lot of movies. But what was it about Frozen? I saw Frozen, and guess what? It was fine. It was fine. I'm not even going to criticize the movie, but the aftermath? It's now 2021, and we're still doing this? Someone knows the recipe. The combination of colors and lights and music and the way the faces are animated and the storyline from laugh to fear to elation and revelation... Someone knows how children are wired and then they plant the seed. The seed is the movie. Then they just watch the billion dollar industry snowball into all of our lives, creating uniformity. Parents, if your kids are frozen, I'm going to use it in a different sense. If your kids have been frozen by the movie Frozen, they're not interested in any of your bullshit. Gumby, don't introduce Gumby to them. Flintstones. Jetsons, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, forget it. None of that shit matters. Once they hear about Frozen, once they get Frozen, then that's four to five years of allowing Anna and Elsa to dominate your lives. Any kid's birthday party? You bring something from Frozen? You bring smiles. Don't get cute. Don't try to bring a coloring book from Tangled or some shit. Rapunzel. Uh Uh-uh. God, if kids can enjoy something that long, I yearn for that. What's the last movie I loved? What's the last movie I loved? Hold on, I gotta think about this. Like I just thoroughly enjoyed. Oh yeah, Sound of Metal. About the drummer who loses his hearing. That was the last movie where I was like, whoa. Perfect. Just perfect. And then what if my wife got me the Sound of Metal pajamas and sheets and a towel and a mug. I'd be like, uh, what the, what the fuck is happening? Just backpack, hoodie, floor mats. Guests come over. Wow, you really like that movie, huh? About the drummer who loses his hearing? You like that? Shit. You got his face all over your bathroom. Your toothbrush? You have a Sound of Metal toothbrush, Josh? Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. Nope, something happens to us where we like things. We still like things, but the shelf life for what we enjoy is tiny now. It's tiny. All right, follow me through this. You take a sip of whatever you're drinking right now and then follow me through this. I'll take a sip of something. You take a sip of something. All right, let's recharge the moment. All right, that's Trader Joe's coffee with unsweetened almond milk, if you must know. All right, so our life is filled with our labels. We've already created the narratives for a lot of things. You meet someone immediately, you gauge their energy and how you feel around them. Are they friendly? Are they funny? Are they happy? Do I feel safe? You meet someone, are they scary? Are they aggressive? 
Are they irritating? Do I feel worried? And then usually for a lot of people, you can't rid those stories, those narratives, they stay with you. How you label the world, whether it's people or places, experiences, events. We just kind of allow our minds to get carried away with descriptions that are almost set in stone. It's nearly impossible to shed them for life. So right now, here's an activity. Think of someone you really like. Anybody, right now. I'm gonna give you a moment to just think of anyone you like. Could be in your family, your group of friends, maybe someone you work with. Currently, someone you really like, okay? Picture them in your mind. Picture them for a moment. All right, now think of three qualities that you're certain they have. Three qualities where you're like, this definitely describes that person. Give me three. Uh Uh-huh, 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 think. And now, second part of this little activity, think of someone you don't like. You just thoroughly dislike. Doesn't even have to be true hate. You're just like, I don't like that person. I don't like them. Someone in your family, someone you work with, could be even someone in your group of friends or someone in your group of friends married this person. You're just like, I don't like that person. Now think of three qualities right now in your mind. Those three qualities that are a certainty. Okay. So that's your story. Those are your labels. Are those universal facts? I don't know. You know that person you like? Someone probably hates that person. And you know that person you don't like at all? Someone loves them. Someone might even marry that person. Isn't that crazy? You know that person you dislike? They might get a wife or a husband one day. Or they already have one. And someone might love them. And you're like, what? How? Huh? So can you reverse this wiring with people or experiences that you've had? I think the answer is no. Okay, just for most people, it's no, or you wouldn't even try. But I'm listening to Pete Holmes, his podcast, and he's describing, it's one of the best episodes I've ever heard. Pete Holmes is a comedian interviewing Steve Byrne, who's another comedian. It's like over two hours, but it's worth it. If you have time for podcasts, this is a worthwhile interview. And towards the end, Pete just mentions that he was on a recent psychedelic trip, and he's like, but don't take my word for it. He's not giving you the advice to take psychedelics. He's just talking about the effects, the psychological effects it had on him. And he's starting to describe how he's been able to rewire his brain from previous childhood traumas or just the way he viewed his parents or siblings or other phases of life. And he says it has helped. What he took is something called DMT, but it has more letters and numbers than that. He sounds like a chemist describing this. And it goes back to the power of psychedelics. Now, once again, I don't take them. I'm not promoting them by any means, but I'm interested in hearing what it could do as we tap into these brains of ours, these hardwired brains. The fact that American scientists and doctors pretty much stopped studying the impacts of psychedelics in the 70s because the government was viewing it as criminal behavior. Well, perhaps you slowed down some of the most incredible discoveries That we would know about. Just listening to Pete Holmes describe this. How he's able to look at the world a little differently. If you know that certain people in your life have deeply negative effects on you. Or if you know there was something that happened in your childhood that you just can't get over. Meditation doesn't help. Therapy hasn't helped. You gotta wonder about the power of psychedelics. If it's done in a really regulated, measured, controlled environment with a professional. Now even saying all that where it sounds kind of appealing. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Not in this lifetime, but I love hearing about these stories. A lot of comedians seem to be taking the ayahuasca or DMT trips to make sense of their upbringing or to just lighten, to just lighten and soften the world around them when it gets heavy because we are surrounded with people that we don't really like. 
but those are our labels. And if we could shed those labels and be less judgmental, wouldn't that be great? Because what's the effect? If you hold a grudge on someone, what's the effect? Nothing on them. Nothing. It's on you. I think a lot of people realize that. All right, let's take another breath. I felt good. Take another. Fuck it. All right, breathe in for four. Exhale for seven. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, siete. You didn't think I would go Spanish at the end. All right, so here's a little passage from the John Kabat-Zinn book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, which you should buy. I'm just going to read you a little something about our minds and how we judge. The mind states of liking and disliking can take up permanent residency in us, unconsciously feeding addictive behaviors in all domains of life. When we are able to recognize and name the seeds of greediness or craving, however subtle in the mind's constant wanting and pursuing of the things or results that we like, and the seeds of aversion or hatred in our rejecting or maneuvering to avoid the things we don't like, that stops us for a moment and reminds us that such forces really are at work in our minds to one extent or another almost all the time. It's no exaggeration to say that they have a chronic viral-like toxicity that prevents us from seeing things as they are to mobilize our true potential. That means drop your guard, drop your walls, drop all preconceived notions, allow yourself to have a clean slate viewing the world and people. Isn't it sad how impossible that is? But this book, wherever you go, there you are, which you should read. It just talks about what mindful meditation can do. Just the intention of it. Intention is so inspiring. Even if you're not good at something, but you're like, you know what? I'd like to get better at that. Just saying that, that could be powerful. It can, I think. Pete Holmes also mentioned something about the word Ayurveda. And I don't have a clue what that word is. So I think I'm going to Google it right now on the podcast about personality types or our physical types, Ayurveda. Let me go to Wikipedia. You ever heard this? <coughs> All right. Ayurveda. An alternative medicine system with historical roots in the Indian subcontinent. The theory and practice is pseudoscientific. The Indian Medical Association describes Ayurvedic practitioners who claim to practice medicine as quacks. Okay. Ayurveda is heavily practiced in India. Therapies include herbal medicine, special diets, meditation, yoga, massage, laxatives, enemas, give me all that, medical oils, give me all that, all that, in a blender, give me all that. What was he talking about then? The personality types, the body types, eight components. Oh, this is a long Wikipedia entry. This is not for this episode. What was he talking about? Kapha or something? Let me Google that. Ayurveda types. Stay with me. All right, here we go. I found something from timesofindia.com. The benefits of knowing your Ayurvedic body type. That's A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-I-C, Ayurvedic body type. All right, number one, are you a vata? Vata, air and space elements. People in this structure find it difficult to gain weight. They have fast metabolism. They're thin with prominent bony structures. They tend to be cold most of the time. Lifestyle, they're active, mobile, restless, energetic people. They sleep lightly, easily disturbed. That's not me. Communication, 
Their speech is very fast. They're talkative. They enjoy talking a lot. Talks about their mental state. And I'm just on Vata. Oh my God, this would take a while. But I'm going to go through it really quick. They're quick at gathering and displaying information or emotions, their nature. Vata people are generally shy, modest, low in confidence. The next one, are you a Pitta? Pitta, fire element. Body structure, medium build, good muscle tone. They always feel warm. Skin is soft. Their lifestyle, desire for food and sex is very strong. Sleep is moderate, not easily disturbed. Pulse is strong. They dislike hot weather. I know some Pittas. Communication, they usually speak loudly with passion. Mental state, they're extremely intelligent, focused, ambitious people. Emotionally, they're passionate about life, have a tendency to be perfectionists, can become easily irritated. Oh, am I? Am I Pitta? Hmm. Body type number three, Kapha. Water, earth elements. These people, Kapha people. Largest of all body types. Wide hips, big shoulders, thick and wavy hair. Good stamina. Teeth are strong. Pulse is slow and steady. Lifestyle, they usually have moderate or low appetites. Their digestion, very slow. They enjoy eating luxurious foods, which taste and smell good. This is so funny. Communication, pleasant appearance, and voices. Kafas, mental state, slow learners, but the memory is great. Emotionally, they tend to be very loyal and stable. Their nature, they like familiar surroundings. They're money savers, good providers. They prefer to belong to a group, club, or community. They cling to their family. Okay, I'm done there. But look this up. I don't know. Is this meaningless or meaningful? Or is it just for quacks? And what's a quack? Why are we denigrating ducks? We like ducks. Do we like Oregon ducks? Of course. We like Allen, so we like ducks. Ducks are beautiful. That shade of green on their face. Come on. Ducks are beautiful. Ayurvedic body type. What am I? I don't know. Veda, pitta, kapha. And we're done. We're totally done. Thanks for staying with it. I'm wishing you a happy day, a happy week ahead. Let's do one more breath and then say peace out. I wish you peace. Episode 165. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 